We're so glad that you joined us today for this podcast from Bishop Quentin Moore and the Father's House in Hutchinson, Kansas. God loves you and wants the best for you, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. Share your story with us by sending an email to mystory@fathershouse.net. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at fathershouse.net slash give. Just select the option that works for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. I'm excited. I've been teaching about the culture of friendship. Uh, last week I talked about that. Today I want to talk about the habits of friendship. Friendship is a gift, right? God gives us friendship. He said, I have called you friends. And he gave us. He said, I chose you. You didn't choose me. Uh, I chose you to be fruitful, to multiply. I chose it to remain and never. He said that. And then in the 17th chapter, he goes a little further and he says, your friendship with me will lead to oneness. Your friendship with me will lead to this union with. You'll be one with me and the Father and the Holy Spirit and one with whoever else I have called friends. And, and friends, he called a lot of people friends. He called tax collectors and sinners friends. He seemed to have no regard as to who they were or what they were. He just seems to show up and call everybody his friends. He seems to show up and say, I'm going to give everybody preferential treatment. I'm going to give everybody my favor, my grace, my mercy. And then he says, the outworking of my friendship with you is going to be that you're going to be joined together. You're going to be one with each other. To find yourself working against any, to find yourself in any division is to be working against friendship. Now, I'm very serious because the greatest evangelistic tool we have is our relationship. So anytime we get critical about one another, when we create any division, I want you to know you're out of the will of God. Amen. You're not walking in the will of God. And so then to ask God to bless you is to ask God to bless you when you're being rebellious. Oh, well, I'm not going to get any amens because it's easy to tear down other people, right? But to understand that when you start reading in John chapter 13, 14, and you read through John 17, that it is a revelation of God's friendship. It's a revelation that God makes known His love through friendship. And that Christianity without love is no religion at all. That the whole foundation of Christianity is this unconditional, undeserved, unmerited love. That it's not a doctrine about our individual salvation whereby we can earn our way to heaven, but rather it's a relationship that's been offered to us. It's the foundation. It's the centerpiece. It's the very life of this thing called Christianity or the church. It's therefore something that has to do with reconciliation and coming back together. And it's this belief that all of us who have been living these exiled lives out doing our own things and our own self-imposed pig pens, that we're all coming out of the same mess and coming back to the same home. That we've all had those experiences and we're all journeying home and that the Father has prepared a ring and a robe for each one of us to be regathered, if you will, renewed, returned, and that, that we become this one thing, this thing that we're living together in this unity. I, I believe that the culture right now in humanity, this right moment snapshot of anthropology, is that we are impoverished people because we've underappreciated friendship. We've lost the power of friendship. 
We, we, we don't understand, and so we devalue it, and we allow the world to tell us what friendship is. And so friendship is reduced to, is it useful to me? So if you're useful to me, then I'll be your friend. If you add something of value. Or if you're pleasant to me. It's easy to have friends that are pleasant, right? We all love being around people that are pleasant. They add something to us. But the friendship that God's talking about costs you something. The friendship he's talking about, he said, greater love have no man than this, than he lay down his life for that friend. To understand that when God speaks of friendship, he's talking about a friendship that he didn't get much out of, but that rather he gave everything for. That he gave his very life to call you friend. That frankly, you didn't have anything to offer to him, but he had everything to offer to you. And that because of he seeing something in you that you don't even see in yourself, that you're now, and I don't know, but my Bible says we're supposed to follow that, emulate that, live like that, that that we're not looking to get something from people. We're looking to give something to people. And on the basis of our generosity, then we're friends. It's hard to be disappointed in a relationship if you didn't long to get something from that relationship. I'm just saying it's hard to be disappointed when the goal was not to derive something, but to give something. It's really why sexuality has almost destroyed friendship in America today. It's because we think if we're in a great friendship, then we have to consummate it with sexuality. The minute you bring sexuality into a relationship, you've actually put that relationship in a whole different place. Now, I'm not opposed to marriage. I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of marriage. I really enjoy my marriage. But I'm suggesting to you that you need to have some sort of maturity before you take a relationship into that. Amen. That's why I will teach abstinence to our young people and to some of you who are older. It's just going to be truthful this morning that you've messed up your world because you've reduced friendship to a sexual experience. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you keep doing that, you're going to continue to mess up your relationships. Now, it has nothing to do with where you spend eternity. It just has to do with where you spend the present. Oh, well. (laughs) See, as long as I don't meddle with anything, we're okay. So our culture is, is breaking down because we have forgot to understand that we've been given this friendship. It's a gift. It's a, a revelation of God's love to us, and it's not optional equipment for Christianity. That it's the very foundation of our Christianity. He didn't leave us with a doctrine. He left us with this calling to live as friends with Him. That that, that, that value is such a gift and such a marvelous thing. But I would suggest to us this morning that receiving a gift doesn't mean that you're always going to live in that gift unless you develop habits that keep that friendship going. I mean, you you, most of you, most of you could, could get in shape, and, but you can't stay in shape because you don't keep the habits that, you do understand that if you keep eating all that you're eating, you can't, oh well. 
that if you don't exercise, that it's... Uh, so these things called disciplines are what then allow you to enjoy the gift of health that you've received. But if you don't develop habits that maintain that health and you just keep going back to God asking for a miracle, it's you that's actually working against the gift of health that God... Oh, every Pentecostal is going, oh my God. Just touch me, knock me down and make me well. How about you cherish the gift of life that you've been given and take care of the life that you've been given and that if you'll do that you see it's not your smoking that's sending you to hell it's your smoking that's hurting you am I making sense I just want you to stand you're forgiven do whatever you want to do however if you want to experience the best of God's friendship you might have to develop some habits that help you to realize that friendship. So I want to talk to you this morning about the habits of friendship. I have great friends. I have so-so friends. Most of it has to do with the habits that I have towards those friends. And nobody wants to be my friend. I can tell you why. <laughs> habits. The first one I'm going to say to you, and I don't know how far I'm going to get this morning, and it's, this is a very therapeutic sermon, so don't wait for it to get real exciting to say amen. Just say Amen. amen. The one thing that has to happen is you have to have trust. Friendship never develops without trust. Uh, you, you're, you're given this friendship with God. He said, I am your friend. If you don't begin to trust him, you're never going to realize that friendship. And frankly, it's not in our nature to be very trusting. We are the most mistrusting creature. We, we, it's easier for us to distrust than it is to trust. That in our fallen nature is not the nature to trust. Our fallen nature is to live untrusting of other people. We're always a little skeptical, a little cynical of other people. That's because of the fall. We didn't trust God. We thought we could get the apple for ourselves. And so because we didn't trust God, we went and got the apple for ourselves and fell into this thing that we've fallen into. And the only way out of this mess is to begin to trust the one that says, I love you. To begin to trust the one that, listen, if you're in a marriage where you don't trust each other, you're in trouble. Because it is without trust, there is no realization of the real power of what it means to be in relationship. That's why he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, not half of it. Trust in the Lord on Sunday. No, trust in the Lord with this. Trust. No, he means trust in the Lord with all of your heart. In other words, go all in. Trust him with your life, your money, your family. Trust him with everything. Don't withhold anything back. But to trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. But acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your paths. In other words, you won't even have to direct it. He'll direct your life if you just trust that he's the one that knows what's best for you. You see, he comes and gives us the gift of friendship, but trust is the gift we give him. He gives us this great gift of friendship, and the response to that friendship is our trust in it. And so he gives this gift of friendship to us, and we give this gift of trusting his love and responding and if, if we don't respond to that gift of friendship I promise you we'll never and you have to develop a habit of getting up this morning and trusting getting up this morning and saying yes to that friendship getting up and responding to it getting up and saying the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer he is my strength in whom I will trust 
I have to wake up every day and say, I, I can't trust in this world surrounding me. I can't trust in the, uh, but I can trust in God because I know he's directing my paths. I know that he knows how to put me in the right place with the right people. I, I trust in the Lord and do good, the psalmist wrote. Delight yourself in the Lord. and He gives you the desires of your heart in order to develop a nature that is trusting and not cynical. I'm so tired of people being so cynical and untrusting of the world around them. Listen, that's hell. Commit yourself unto the Lord and trust also in Him, for He shall bring it to pass. Whatever God has planned and purposed for your life, it says He'll make all things work together for your good. We have to get rid of this distrust that we have for one another. We have to stop distrusting people because they wear this or say that or believe in that. We have to begin to understand that our trust is in the Lord and therefore our trust is in this world in which we live that He is taking care of things. The psalmist says, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked. He will save them because they trust in him. He isn't going to save us because we do this or that. He's going to save us because we trust him to save us. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. I'm trusting in the God that can deliver me from the Red Sea, deliver me from this, deliver My trust is in God this morning. And unless we begin to understand that our response to his offer of friendship is this trust, I promise you we will never develop the reality of this relationship. I have news for you. I don't trust you. But I trust God. Therefore I can trust you. Come on, some of you are living isolated lives because you can't find a person that you can trust. Listen, I trust God enough to know that you're in my life because He put you here. I trust God enough, not because I know you or know anything. Listen, I can stand Pete up right now. Pete would say to me, don't you want to know? If God sent you into my life, then I must, He must have put you in my life. I mean, after all, what did Eve know about Adam? Not much. What did Adam know about Eve? Not much. Listen, if you're waiting for people to prove to you that they're trustworthy, good luck with that. My trust is not in people, horses, chariots. My trust is in God. And if God has brought you into my life, then I'm trusting that God knows how to protect me if I need protected and to open me if I need to be open. Am I making any sense here? But I'm not going to live in this perpetual state of distrust. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to live in distrust to this church or that church or this group or that group. I haven't got time to be arguing about whether they got the right doctrine, whether they've hurt this people. There are so many people today that are so mad at the church that they can't get anything out of it. And it's because they don't trust. Am I making sense yet? Touch your neighbor and say, I trust God. He must have put you there. So to begin to understand that our ability to trust comes from this reality that my trust is in this one that is. For the Lord of hosts says, blessed is the man that trusts him. How many want the blessings of God? Okay, trust God. Begin to believe that he has your highest and best in his heart. Believe that he knows what is going. Listen, I have this youngest daughter of mine, young, she's 34 my youngest daughter, 33, 34, uh, she, she loved to climb. She would climb, climb, climb. She's all, she'd climb anything. 
Every time we, and she's about, she's a little bitty thing at three, a little bitty thin. And I walked in the kitchen one day and somehow she had got herself on top of the refrigerator. And about the time I walked in the kitchen, I heard, Dad! And I turned around and here's this little girl flying through the air. Boom! I mean, I catch that little thing, I sit down, I'm scolding her, I'm chastising her, I'm telling her how dangerous that was. And finally I said, baby, why did you do that? She said, I trusted you, Dad. Hmm. And then I was repenting, crying, seeing if I could get on top of the refrigerator. (laughs) See, trust is such an open thing. It's such an apparent thing. The second habit you have to develop in your life is transparency. Man, nobody wants to be transparent today. Nobody wants to be, everybody says, I want authentic Christianity. Yeah, how about you starting? Once you pull off that fig leaf, once you pull off that thing you're hiding behind. Uh, See, authenticity begins with you. I can't go to church because they're not authentic. Yeah, baby, it was great till you showed up and you got on all that suchy stuff. How about you being open and honest that you're a sinner saved by grace? Once you get open about you not being perfect, once you get open about all the dirty stuff that's underneath that smelly stuff covering up the, uh, never mind. How about, how about you just understanding, I, listen, I've grown up in a tribe that you couldn't say you were a sinner once you accepted Jesus. That's just a lie. All of us are still imperfect. All of us still need forgiven. Every last one of us, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I got news for you. I need help this morning. I need help from my own thoughts. I need help from my own desires. I need help. Help, help me, Jesus. Transparency is that understanding that I have to take the fig leaves off, be honest with you about my skepticism, and step out of the shadows of my own making and understand that I may have to crawl through that crowd myself, that I may have to climb that tree on my own, that I have to expose this and trust in the grace of God. Trust that when he says his grace is sufficient that it is and that I can risk exposing my own weakness, are you making? Listen, you'll never develop a marriage, a friendship of any close nature unless you're willing to be honestly transparent. If you're keeping secrets from your spouse, you don't have one. You may have a piece of paper, but you don't have one. Because trust and transparency go hand in hand. I can't trust somebody that continually covers up themselves. I don't know how to have an authentic relationship with someone who stands up and says, thank God I ain't like them. Are you, am I making any sense? The, 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 the Pharisee, that thank God I'm not. But now the dude that stand up and said, have mercy on me because I'm a sinner. That dude I can relate to. That dude and I have more in common than right? If you've stumbled into this place, let me just tell you, there's nobody in here that's got it all together, because if they had it all together, they'd have to leave. (laughs) Never mind. I've been teaching this for years. If you're a teacher, you may have found it, seen it. So it's not original with me. I've stolen it from younger days, but I've been teaching this in private Things. The first time I think I've ever just put it up on the big screen, but if you got it, it's called the Jahari window and it's used in lots of different sciences. But in the top left corner, that's, I'll let you see that. That's my public self. 
I'll let you know this, right? Don't all of you have that stuff that you, you'll let the world see you in good form, right? But then you have this private stuff. And you don't want nobody to know that, right? You ain't, you ain't, you ain't showing that. You're not, you're not. But then there's this stuff I'm blind to. Dale knows it. I promise you Annie knows it. My kids know it. And my close friends know that stuff that I don't know about myself, but other people know about me. I get tickled when somebody starts telling me da-da-da-da, and I go, no, it's not. You're not talking about me. You're talking about, no, it's not me. But notice there's a box down here in the corner that I don't know about me and you don't know about me. It's unknown. I would suggest to you it's actually the untapped potential of the power of the Holy Spirit that's in your life that's not revealed to you. And it's the only way you can tap into that part of you that you don't know and that they don't know is when you begin to trust other people and you begin to be transparent enough with other people. And if you'll notice, as you trust and you are transparent, that box will slide. And when that box slides, guess what you're tapping into? You're tapping into the holy unknown. But that only happens by relationship. That only happens in friendship. Only friends can help you do that. Hopefully the church, when we get together and we begin to trust and forgive one another, and there's this unknown potential of the power of the Holy Spirit, that you can't do that alone. We read to you this morning out of Corinthians that the many are one, the one are many. That you need other people in your life. This whole idea that I'm going to get to heaven, I don't need anybody, I'll just stay at home. Go ahead. But you will live only with that peace that you know about yourself, and there's a whole lot of... It's not that you won't make heaven, it's that you'll live impoverished lives because you're unwilling to trust and be transparent and live in a community. Am I making any sense this morning? Pastor, when are you going to get to the shouting part? I am. This is it. See, once you begin to trust and you are transparent, transformation takes place. Transformation is the result of a relationship. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind is how the verse begins. This isn't about you doing this holy work and just changing your mind. It has to do, he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed that you may prove. For the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought. Just as each one of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form. Let me tell you what will transform you. It ain't about you, baby. This ain't all about you. You can't go through life just thinking it's about you. you got to go through life knowing it's about us. That's transformative, is that when I realize, listen, it's transformative when you put seven kids around a dinner table and say, no, you can't have that pair of shoes because that would hurt us. You got a, a transformed thinking is when you come out of me and I into us and we. That's transformative when you begin to think it's bigger than just me. That will change the way you think. Transforming your mind isn't replacing this with that. It's about becoming part of us. And it'll transform you. Trust, transparency, transformation, these habits of being a friend. I have to habitually work with trusting and being transparent and challenging the thoughts of my mind, challenging those preconceived prejudices 
preferences and tendencies to perform. I have to continually begin to challenge those and understand that friendship is the discovery that in each man God has placed something that is lovable. That if I look deep enough, I find this image of God. And that in that image, somehow there is a blessing that begins to come into my own life. To value that. To understand that in that transformative reality where we are one and where we are friendships, all of a sudden that individual friendship I have is transcendent. And I don't just know Terry or Dale or Anita. All of a sudden in the midst of that relationship, I catch glimpses of Christ. And I'm transcended out of this world into a divine reality. That in this love that we have for one another, there is a whole nother kingdom, a whole nother realm that's far and above. And now I'm seeing and hearing and feeling and living because of this relationship. Am I making any sense? But if you think you're going to transcend reality alone, can I suggest to you that's not the gospel? It's not the gospel. Sorry, you American individualist, you consumers. But this takes relationship. The two shall become one. Where two or three agree. Well, we're never going to agree doctrinally. We're never going to agree ecclesiologically. But could we agree that you're loved and I'm loved? That you're forgiven and I'm forgiven? And that if we work together for our common good, that we may both realize more than we could have alone. Now, this is not just good religion. This is just good health care. This is just good, strong, emotional. And you're not even paying me $185 an hour. Or if you did, thank you. (laughs) To transcend beyond the human ability. To see the unseen, to know the unknowable, to stop looking at one another as something to be used or something to bring pleasure, but to begin to look at one another as something that I can pour my good into and you pour your good into me and all of a sudden there's something higher going on between us. Is that habit of looking and believing And understanding that there is this mysterious power that transcends the accidental and the external of another. To understand that I can see beyond your appearance or your social status. To understand that there's something more powerful than your ethnic origin or your intellectual capacity. That we can reach into one another's souls and tap the very image that God has placed with inside of us. That we can turn the key and unlock the root meaning of what it means to be a human being. One made to live in relationship with one another in such a way that the heavens open. To refuse to be separated from one another because of our differences but to understand that the division is diabolical but diversity is divine and that every one of us in this room are diverse from the other but that's what makes it so beautiful that every snowflake though a flake is still a snowflake that you'll never find two snowflakes exactly alike they're both flakes but they're not the same you'll get this in a minute I, I, <laughs> If you call one person a flake, you just called yourself a flake. I, I, flake? Oh, never mind. 
That Christian love is a friendship that participates in the divine knowledge and the gift that's given to us through our relationships. That the enemy works overtime to destroy those relationships. That really friendship is where I discover my own soul. I discover the heart that beats inside my chest that I've hitherto missed. Do you remember the story where Jesus took Peter, James, and John and they went to a mountain? Take somebody's hand. I'm going to write this one of these days. Say with me, we're going to the mountain. Come on, I want, I want you to go to the mountain. I'm going to take you to a place that's higher than you've ever known before. I've been trying to tell you who I am, and I haven't been able to do it in its entirety. I've been trying to explain to you where I come from and where I'm going and the place that I have for you, but I haven't been able to fully explain it to you. So here, take my hand and let's, let's go a little higher. Let's get a little above. Let, let, they're all my friends, but you're my close friends. Every, every one of the 12 and all the 70, but I got this three that I want you to peer behind the veil of humanity and see the real me. I'm going to take you to the place where nothing is hidden about who I am. I want you to know I got other friends from other days. I got other friends from other dimensions that my life isn't just in this time, but I had a life in another time and we're going to have life in yet another time. So let's go to a mountain and let's transcend this life we've been living. Let's get beyond the Pharisees and the Romans. Let's get out of your head here. Follow me into something bigger and greater. Just follow me. I can't tell it to you, but if you walk with me up a mountain, you're not. I can't take everybody, but I can grab two or three in my life and say, I'll take everything off for you. Are you listening to me? If you don't have two or three that you can take a hand and go to the top of the mountain and derobe there, That's the faith. Not what you think you know, but what it is that I know that you need to know, but I can't affect you unless I take you. <laughs> and they go to the mountain. And all of a sudden, there's Moses and Elijah. And the glory of God from another time begins to overshadow the Christ. And they're going, there's dead people here. We're standing where there's dead people and then there's people that refuse to die. Moses died and Elijah flew and Jesus is standing between the two greatest prophets of another time. Are you listening to me? All of a sudden, suspended between time, up on top of the mountain, they see who Jesus really is. He's bigger than Moses and Elijah. He's bigger than Peter, James, and John. There is something that's higher than this relationship I have. Let me show it to you. Boy, Christianity is far more than do this, don't do that. Christianity is far bigger than Methodist, Baptist, Episcopalian, Roman. It's far bigger than that. 
It's about the invitation into a relationship of eternal. And all of a sudden, they were blinded. And then it says, when they opened their eyes, they saw only Jesus. You hear me, relationships will invite you to go to a mountain and see something you've never seen before. Real friendships take you into that yet unknown, unimagined, unexplainable. And on the way back to the mountain, he said, keep that to yourself. I love it when people come back from the mountain and try to tell me everything happened. I want to go, look, I didn't get to go. Shut up. I'm serious. I'm serious. Sometimes I get to go to the mountain and you don't. Sometimes you get to go and I don't. Would you just be still? I may be walking through a wilderness and you people that have been having mountaintops are making me feel bad. But I got to get through my wilderness. You go to the mountain because I'm going to be on the mountain when you're going through a wilderness. That, or you're not listening. Everybody wants everybody else to be having the same experience they're having. This trust, this transparency, this transformation, this transcendence, this coming into the knowledge of the truth that sets us free. Are you in the room? Have I taken you on a sufficient journey to say maybe you ought to be checking those habits? Maybe I'd be checking those exercises of trust and transparency and transformation of having those transcending moments because other people invited you on a journey. And what it really does is bring you into this truth that God is bigger than you or me, denominations or politics. It's just really bigger. He's bigger than our sin, our shame, our death. He's so big that he said, I've chosen you to be my friend. And if you go be friends with one another, Okay. You know what keeps people from trusting? Are you, are you past trauma? Everyone in this room has been hurt. Everyone in this room has been disappointed, abused. You've been hurt. And when people have trauma in their lives, everyone in here does. What keeps us from starting into the habit of trust is past trauma. Oh, we've forgiven. It's not that you haven't forgiven. That's too cheap. Those of you that look at me and say, well, just forgive them. Ah, it's too cheap. Because many of us have forgiven, but it's still hard to trust. Just hard. And we look at that trauma and it causes us to be cynical. Am I in the room? Here's why. It's because when we look back at the trauma, we rehearse the issue. And we just keep rehearsing that issue and the fingertips of our mind are feeling the abuse all over again. You do understand there's something worse than abuse. And that's the memory of it. There's something worse than abuse. It's, it's my rehearsing of that over and over. Why? I struggled with that. And then one day when I was looking back and looking at it, the Lord said, yeah, but did you see 
See, there was a police officer in your past. There was a school teacher in your past. There was someone that you've forgotten their name of, but they were there. And they helped you through that moment. If but for a moment, they were there. God provided people in the midst of your trauma that helped you to make a stand. You're looking at the trauma and you're missing the fact that God is always there. And maybe it was just somebody that helped you get through another day. Maybe it was somebody that arrested you. Maybe it was somebody that had to tell you hard things. But thank God that he put people there in the midst of that trauma. Pastor, how do you know that's true? Because you're here. Because if you're here this morning, God had someone there in the midst of that trauma that got you here. Because you'd have never got through that trauma if someone hadn't been there. And you may never have even thought about it. You might be sitting here this morning, and because you've been rehearsing the trauma, you've never thought of the provision that God gave to you in the middle of the trauma. How do I move from the trauma to trust? I begin to thank God for those angels that I was unaware of. I begin to thank God for those people whose name I may never know. I begin to thank God for the provision that was there in the midst of a mess of my own making, perhaps. Or in the abuse that I had no control of. But God put, I preached this in the first service and I remembered this and I know it's insignificant. I know it's not comparative to, it's why I'm using it. I was having a panic attack driving down the highway in Nashville, full blown. I didn't think I was going to get that rental car back to the airport. And I look up and I think I'm in a Hertz and I'm in the Avis line with the wrong car in the wrong place. And I'm in full meltdown. And, and I'm sitting in that car, not knowing the guy behind me is honking, the guy in front of me is doing this. And a guy opens my door and says, you're in the wrong line, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am. He said, give me your papers. I'll take care of it. You go ahead. Now, I don't know who that guy was. But can I tell you, he helped me out of a spot that was very difficult for me at the moment. And you ain't got time. You don't care what that spot was. But I promise you, every trauma, there is a blessing in the middle of that trauma if you'll take the time to go back and thank God for the provision of someone. How do I get over the trauma? I have to do the deep, dirty work of looking past the trauma to the provision of Christ and of that trauma. And when I do that, I can trust again. And if I can trust again, there's a miracle. Am I making any sense? Pastor, I wish you to preach one of your barns storming. Listen, what I'm giving you this morning, if you make them habits in your life, you'll live healthier, more productive, happier, fulfilling lives. And I didn't even charge you 185 an hour. I'm telling you, some of you need this tape. You need to listen to it again. Listen to it again. You need to work on that habit. You need to work on that habit. This will not happen by accident. This is an intentional truth I'm laying down to you. Do you hear me? 
This idea of telling people to forgive, that's cheap. That's cheap. The hard work is, is to find the grace of God that got me through yesterday and today. And to thank God for it today. Huh. Do not make the issue. Do not make the trauma about who and what, when and where. Are you listening to me? If you keep looking at who, what, when, or where, you'll get stuck in what you need to do. Uh, that's another whole sermon. I'm talking to you about knowing that God held your hand. It's gotten you to a place. It's healing in this room this morning. Healing in the emotions. Healing in your soul. Because when you can get your soul well, the physical things will follow. Am I making sense to you? If you can get your heart well. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Father's House. We hope you stay connected by following us online at fathershouse.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at TFH Hutch.